Okay, Jam, today we're going to talk about MSG. Mm, Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I've heard it's a great place. No, uh, the MSG food stuff. Oh. We're going to talk about, is it actually bad for you? What even is it? Do we need to worry about it? And we're just going to, you know, we're just kind of rolling with our common food question theme that we had from turkeys into now, monosodium glutamate, MSG. Monosodium glutamate. Don't okay. worry, we'll get into it. Okay. The way I phrase this in my notes is, we're going to take a big old bite out of <laughs> MSG misconceptions. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. Are you ready? I'm very ready. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, before we get started, I want to do uh, two things, which one is to say thank you to our new supporter on Patreon, Sarah M. Yes, Sarah, welcome to our chem community, our supporters, and we are so grateful to have you helping make this show possible. And um, I was really excited because Sarah is from Canada and I love Canada. It's beautiful. It's fun. I tried to get a job there. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was really excited to see our new edition and this etiquette, etiquette, this episode is dedicated <laughs> to you, Sarah. It's an episode dedication or an epication. Education yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. Like we always say, you know, an epication. <laughs> the other thing I like to do, we haven't done in a while, is just reintroduce ourselves and kind of give a quick premise of the show. Yes. So I really am a chemist. Yes, she really is. And Jam really is not a chemist. Very true. Melissa it, has a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in all chemistry. The, all of the degrees. Yes. And I have one degree, and that was enough for me, but in something that is not chemistry. It's not chemistry, but it is radio, television, and film. And so we're really grateful to Jam for doing all, the, all of this. And it also qualifies me to be learning these things from Melissa right alongside you guys, because I am not a chemist and science is not my background. I'm interested in it, but I am not formally trained in it at all. So Melissa teaches me live a lesson about chemistry in everyday life. And I learn it alongside you guys. Yeah. Yay, chemistry. Yay, chemistry. So that's a little bit about us. And now we're going to get into this episode. And a long time ago, my brother asked me to cover what is MSG. And I think someone recently asked me, but I couldn't find it on our email. So if you send it on Instagram, it can be hard to track those down. Mm -hmm. So uh, sorry. And if you let me know, I'll give you a shout out in the next bonus episode, which will probably be recorded in January. So sorry, yeah. <laughs> but I'll shout you out if I missed you and I'm sorry. <laughs> so I chose this topic because it goes really well with last week's episode. It feels almost like a part two mm. because this is another commonly known food fact that might not be as much fact as we think. Okay. And it's centered around, sorry, I just am coming off of a cold. It's centered around amino acids again. Okay. Okay. So if you want more information on amino acids, we talked about them last week and we've talked about them often in the past mm -hmm. before, uh, but just last week we did a good review. <clears throat> and so <laughs> I said, <laughs> This is part two of what I like to call amino acid atrocities. <laughs> I try to think of like a good alliteration with libel, you uh -huh, know, uh -huh. but I, could, I couldn't really think yeah. of anything. Um, but so just kidding. But 
MSG is an amino acid. So I, or not MSG is not amino acid. Um, it centers around, this episode centers around amino acid. And I was going to ask you mm-hmm. what you remember about amino acids from the last time we recorded. And we actually took a break because I had a cold last week. So it's been a little while since Jam has thought about this. Um, I remember that amino acids um, make up proteins. Yep. And they're the molecules that the contribute. S- yes, the molecules, and and proteins are obviously a polymer, mm-hmm. right? So, and we talked in a couple episodes ago about like just different things that those can do in our bodies um, as they kind of break down and interact with mm-hmm. our bodies. Um, and wow, I just feel like a long time ago. It was a long talked time about ago. That. I think it was it was over two weeks. Oh, I we think. talked about we also talked about um, function functional groups. Yep, that's and, what I was hoping. Okay, also. yes, yes, yep. yes. And the the patterns of those certain m- molecules together um, having similar functions when they present themselves and even in new combinations of molecules. Those atoms within the molecules. atoms within molecules. Yes. yes. So just to um, to reiterate, everything you said was great. Amino acids are small molecules that, when strung together, make up a large molecule. Um, that's what a polymer is. It's just a large molecule made up of several molecules. And in this case, the polymer that they make is, you know, protein. So amino acids are the foundations of proteins. Mm-hmm. And they usually are made up of, um, they're always made up of a carbon backbone, but they have two main functional groups on them an amine functional group, which is a nitrogen with some hydrogens around it, and a carboxylic acid, which um, has a carbon bonded to an oxygen. It's like double bonded to an oxygen on one side, and on the other side it has an oxygen bonded to a hydrogen. So that's the big features of an amino acid. And if the functional group stuff doesn't mean a ton to you, that's okay. It's just like what Jam said. Functional groups are groups of atoms that show up in all different types of molecules and when those atoms are grouped together in that certain way, they have consistent properties. And we're going to talk about that a lot today. So I did want to really hit back on that. So everything you said was perfect. Good job. We should have let our listeners pause and let them think about also Mm -hmm. what they remembered, but what can you do? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Okay. So glutamate MSG stands for monosodium glutamate. Okay. Okay. So let's get rid of the monosodium and let's just think about glutamate right now. Okay. So glutamate is an amino acid. It's different from tryptophan because our bodies can create it. Also, it's made up of different atoms, but our bodies can create it. So it's in tryptophan, we had to eat it. Right. But in this one, we don't. Right. Glutamate, we don't. So... (laughs) Sorry, the the congestion. I haven't talked this much in like over a week, so <laughs> the congestion is getting me. Okay, so glutamate is another amino acid. Our bodies can produce it, and so it's not considered necessary to eat, but it is considered safe to eat. It's already in our bodies, so just like other amino acids, you're going to ingest it when you take in proteins and things like that. Okay. Some foods that glutamate is commonly found in in high amounts are tomatoes, seaweed, Parmesan cheese, mushrooms, fish sauces, Worcestershire, Marmite, all these have glutamate in them. Interesting. So, and it does play an important role in our bodies as a neurotransmitter. And then also it 
can in the um, cells in our intestines, it can provide energy to those cells as well. So it's around mm-hmm. and it's fine and it's good to eat, like relatively safe to eat, no problems with glutamate and it's an amino acid. So, and our bodies even make it. So, you know, yeah, it's great. Yeah. No beef with gluta, with glutamate. Okay. Now let's talk about what the monosodium part of glutamate is. Okay. What does it sound like? Sounds like one sodium atom is part of this. That's exactly right. Nice. So how could that one sodium atom be hanging around? Let's talk about that. How could it be hanging around? How could it be hanging around? So we have our different functional groups that are consistent on amino acids. And in the case of glutamate, you know, it's actually got two of the carboxylic acid functional group. And I think that's right. Hopefully that's right. So I question myself. <laughs> At least has one of those because it's an amino acid. <laughs> yeah. um, and the reason that things are called acids, oftentimes they are good at giving up their hydrogen atom and then they'll keep the electrons from that bond. So a bond is typically made up of two electrons being shared between two different atoms so that they each have their, you know, they're stable. They've got their outer shell reach. They're at an energetically favorable place. They each have the right number of electrons. Mm -hmm. So they share them. When a bond is broken, those electrons are no longer shared and they either distribute unevenly with one molecule or one side of the bond, I guess, one atom getting extra electrons and the other side of the bond not having enough or Mm -hmm. it splits evenly. Each one has one electron and that's called a radical. We've talked about that before. Right. Radicals are wild. Radicals are radical. Yeah. In this case, it often hydrogen bonds to something else. Ours is a hydrogen bonded to an oxygen at the end of the carboxylic acid group. The hydrogen will go away and it won't take its electrons with it. So it's losing electrons. So it becomes positive. Okay. And what stays behind the oxygen becomes negative. It has extra electrons. It keeps all the electrons that were in that bond. Interesting. Okay, and that's typically how acids behave. Acids are willing to give up that hydrogen atom and they keep the electrons and then give up the hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So carboxylic acid is no is no different. That functional group tends to behave in that way where it's willing to give up its hydrogen and it'll keep the extra electrons. It's pretty stable. It can handle those extra electrons. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to have a hard time. So it's like, sure, the hydrogen can go and do other things. And become positive, and I'm going to stay back here and be negative. Got it. But before that happens, before anything else is interacting with it, if you just had some of that acid, it would be largely positive and ready to give up. (coughs) It's not really largely positive. It's just, it's like neutral. Okay. But it's easy to break that bond and give up the positive hydrogen. It wants to give up the hydrogens as soon as it can. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, you may remember from chemistry class, like acids being associated with protons, which are positively charged hydrogen atoms. They don't have any of their electrons. Yeah. It's not that the acids themselves are already positive. It's that they're ready to give up that. They're very willing to become negative. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I always have to remind myself this because acids, for some reason, just the way I associate them and the words seem like they are negative. You know what I mean? Not like they are willing to become negative. Yeah. Which is that's a really important distinction. Yes. When we get into the weeds of chemistry, but it's like something I've had such a hard time <laughs> shaking that idea. So yes. I just have to like remind myself 
by saying it out loud to you mm-hmm. and like double checking. That's great. That I'm confer- that I'm getting that right. Cause like yeah. that like instinct wants to take back over. Yeah. Or not instinct, but whatever. Assumption from yeah. wherever I go wants to take back over. Something you can think of it that might help is imagine a bond that's neutral, but slightly polar. So like overall is neutral, but the electrons are on one side and making that side negative and the other side is partially positive over there. Okay. If you broke that in half with the electrons distributed the way they are, one side will stay negative and the other side will go be positive. Got it. So it's kind of interesting because neutral is a hard word, but yeah, uh, the molecule itself isn't already negative. It's just really willing to give up positive hydrogens and take on that negative itself. And I think if you can visualize, yeah, like a, or like a lopsided teeter totter where one side is really weighed down and the other side is lifted up. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you break that in half, one side is clearly going to have a lot of extra stuff and the other is not going to have extra stuff. Right? right. Right. So that's kind of what's happening in the bond already is oxygen is it's has this ability to sort of pull the negative, uh, the negative. <laughs> You can tell I've got a little bit of brain fog for being sick. I've made up a lot of words in this episode. It pulls the negative electrons towards itself so that hydrogen is like, well, I'm barely getting any of these electrons anyway. I'm theoretically sharing them, but it's not going to be hard to take one more step and just break free. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Okay. So that's carboxylic acids. Okay. They're willing to do that. That functional group is present on glutamate. Okay. And what what happens is if you take glutamate and you put it in the environment to where it's willing, you, you know, put energy in and it'll break that bond off and send its acid out into the world, then it's negative. And if it encounters something else positive, they'll hang out near each other. Okay. And make maybe another bond. So in this case, you've sent your hydrogen away, you have a negative oxygen. If that encounters perhaps a positively charged sodium ion, Ah. the negative of glutamate and the positive of the sodium can come together and they'll make a salt. The same thing happens if you have positive sodium ions and negative chloride ions, then you get sodium chloride, which is table salt. Right. So ionic bonds are a little bit different because they're not truly sharing the electrons. It's kind of more like one's negative and one's positive and they're hanging out near each other. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so if you put it in water, those ions will actually kind of start to separate out again. Mm-hmm. But when it's not in water and it's in this salt form, what you have is glutamate negatively charged with a positively charged sodium ion near it, making monosodium glutamate. Got it. Okay. And that's what MSG is. Okay. It's glutamate that has given up a hydrogen atom, let it go, kept the electrons behind, mm-hmm. it's becoming negative, and then finding a sodium ion and then becoming friends with it to make salt. Okay. And that's MSG. Wow. So, so that's the monosodium one sodium. Right. And so we make glutamate, but do we, yes. do we, does monosodium glutamate occur in our bodies ever, or is it mostly occurring out there? <laughs> That's a really good question. So when 
glutamate is in our bodies, oftentimes the it will be in its negatively charged state. Okay. So this is kind of a, this is a little bit of a deep dive biochemistry question. Amino acids are really interesting because it's really easy to lose the hydrogen off of that carboxylic acid group. And sometimes it actually wants to go and hang out on the amine group on the other side. That's like sort of negative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that could happen. And if you, and depending on the pH of the environment, it will switch where Mm. that thing goes, which is which is very hard and we don't have to talk about that right now if you don't want to. But, um, so what a lot of times happens in our body is glutamate exists in a negatively charged or without that hydrogen on it. Mm -hmm. And so once it gets into our body and the sodium and the glutamate kind of start to separate out like they do in water, that glutamate acts the same as glutamate monosodium glutamate once it's dissociated acts the same as the glutamate generated by our body they're chemically the same right okay so i don't know if naturally in our body doesn't encounter a sodium and that association happens if it's in like a liquid solution of water i think they would stay separated out got it and i think that's what a lot of our body is a lot of water in okay there. but i think that would be better answered by a biochemist okay Perhaps our resident biochemist, Kaibe, who always sends nice things that he's like, oh, I've got this off the top of my head. Yes. Yes. Greetings from Brazil. Come try our hot dogs and coffee. <laughs> yeah. I, cause I, I was figuring that like the monosodium glutamate does occur naturally out there in some way because it's supposed to be, you know, in stuff. Obviously mm-hmm. people can get it on its own and figure that out probably a while ago. But I was assuming there's probably some way that it just, happens but was like i think it'd be easy for it to happen in the environment yeah i don't know how it's mass produced though i don't know if it's like isolated from something or if it's mass produced some other way i assume it's mass produced some other way got it where they isolate the glutamate put it in a condition where it'll give up its hydrogen and then add in some sodium ions Mm. isolate the glutamate that sounds like (laughs) it's waiting to be included in a poem about (laughs) chemistry you know (laughs) About MSG, about how it makes food taste better. Yeah. Okay, so that's all that that MSG is, is it's basically another form of an amino acid that we generate with our own bodies. Okay. And so then the question is, is it actually bad for you to eat it? And there's not a lot of evidence that it is. Not a lot of evidence that it is bad. Yes. Okay. Interesting. So originally, it seems like this originated from a scientist in the uh, 60s who ate a bunch of Chinese food and felt bad afterwards and theorized that it was the MSG Uh and wrote that into a journal. And then that was it. And that's like the situation we all use it in now, too. Uh It's like most people I've heard reference MSG growing up when I was a kid but that was specifically around... Chinese food and maybe a couple other cuisines, but they were like, oh yeah, it makes you full faster too. You know, you don't eat mm-hmm. as much. It's like that. It's like, that's like, like most rumors I've heard about MSG have circled yes. around Chinese food for some dumb but reason. But it's not just in Chinese food. It's in everything. Right. It's in all processed foods. Right. And it's in glutamate is in a lot of foods already just anyway. Yep. And glutamate does give us this, the umami flavor, you know, mm-hmm. that, that like a meaty savoriness. Yeah. And 
so I think I don't I don't know how this one guy's theory persisted, right. but there is not a lot of evidence to support it. So um, there I read as many articles as I could. One thing said there might be evidence that if you have a large quantity on an empty stomach, there are some people who may be negatively affected by mm. it. Mm. Or um, one review stated that, you know, there were negative effects found in animal trials, but they weren't repeatable in primates. Okay. In human trials, it promotes hunger and food intake and possibly weight gain. But mm. it's like, well, is that just because the food was better? <laughs> <laughs> right. So they just want to eat more. Yeah. Because it enhances that savoriness that makes food taste really good. Right. Um, and then when I was talking to Mason about it, um, because I like to sometimes tell him about the episodes is like as a practice round mm -hmm. without spoiling jam. He asked about the sodium. And I think it is possible that if you're trying to have a low sodium diet, adding more sodium in, just like adding more salt in is not great. Right. So that could be something of concern. Yeah. I could see there being something like, this is like just completely spitball theorying. <clears throat> just that like, if, if it's already naturally occurring in a lot of savory things and you have something that has more or less of it, whether it's artificial or not, that maybe we are in some way tricked into thinking we have eaten a lot of really good material because we've been experiencing a lot of savoriness over and over. Yeah. For instance, like I just can't, you know, like maybe just in terms of mass, I could eat more chips than I could steak. Yeah. What things is my body trying to do all the time about every food just to tell me whether I'm full or not yeah. and whether I've eaten enough, you know, things that are like more umami E can be. Could maybe psychologically trick your brain. Right. But it's, it might not be actually the MSG that is causing it. If I get to see there being some part of our bodies that's trying to figure that out yeah. and is basing it off of like yeah. what we're eating, you know, we can all eat more of some things and we can't other things for better or for worse. You know, I'd I, love to eat more of some stuff, but I can't, you know, yeah. I just reach my limit or whatever. But, I think it's hard. It's just so complex. Right. Right. But I think the thing that I took away from this is probably anything in huge abundance, like even just regular salt is not good for your body. Right. Right. But if you're going to sprinkle salt or MSG from what the evidence shows is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor. It does not seem like it has a significantly negative effect on your body. Mm. There's just not evidence. And you, even you said whether it's artificial or not, I think you meant like artificial added in, but it's not, right, this right. is still something, you know, chemically adding glutamate from a tomato or adding glutamate that is mass produced, just like with the vanillin extract mm -hmm. episode we did, they're going to be chemically identical. And so right. it's just funny that something that our body naturally produces got this bad rap that's naturally found in a lot of plants, got this bad rap and it's like yeah. known as something different, you know, monosodium glutamate versus just glutamate. Yeah. It's just, it's just an interesting little food myth that I, that is circulated widely and that's not really clearly based in anything. Yeah. And I think we do a lot of times associate that with Chinese food, but I think when people talk about the saltiness in fast food, all kinds of food, there is 
monosodium glutamate is part of that salt. Yeah. So, and you can buy little bottles of it and add it to your food. I've never tried that, but. I have seen people do this. Most recently I've like watched cooking videos where people have used it. Mm-hmm. And they'll say like, use a little bit of this. And they don't really go in, way into it. They don't, they don't say like, by the way, it's not bad for you or whatever. They're just yeah. like, and th- this gives this flavor. They talk about the flavor. It's like, yeah. this is like that. And then they'll say like, and this is occurring, you know, pretty abundantly already in things like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, they just list some things. We add a little bit to this. I watched this video the other day where a guy just tried some on its own mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. And he was talking about. You were already watching videos about MSG before we talked about this? Yeah. <gasps> Did you already know everything I told you? No. Okay, good. It was specific on the cooking side, like just people talking about using it or it occurring in, but they weren't going into like the amino acid stuff. Yeah. I had no idea it was an amino acid. Yeah. I probably should have. I took biochemistry. It was in my biochemistry textbook, but. I didn't at all either. They they really were talking and then like, if you're using this or if you are tasting something that's very savory, it probably already is there, you know, Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. But it was just a guy talking about whether to use that in recipes or not. Wait, so the guy so, tried it by itself and how did it taste? He was like, he was just talking about how odd it was because it's like, it is like the feeling of <laughs> like having something very savory in your mouth without any of the other tastes though. Yeah. And so I get why like we mm-hmm. have, we struggle with words for that, you know, Yeah. like umami or, or just savory don't really get us very far. Right. Yeah. But um, he did say something like, he suggested this is why it's great to use in things that might be like a um, a more heavy vegetable kind of thing because you can kind of help it. Feel meatier. Yeah, feel meatier. Um, and you don't have to rely on actually just straight up adding meat to a to a stew or something that may not need it or some sort of dish that might not need it. So he's kind yeah. of talking about like, here's how you could use this in your kitchen. You can kind of help make some stuff more savory tasting um, without needing to use like you know, beef broth. Yeah. You could use vegetable broth and add in some MSG or something. I do want to add that this reminded me of this. I didn't incorporate, I guess, into the original write-up, but uh, the person who identified uh, this umami flavor is in 1908, the Japanese chemist, ooh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Kikune Aikida, Aikida mm-hmm. identified the fifth basic taste called umami. It was Japanese for delicious taste. And he noticed that it was often in a seaweed broth. Ah. And so, and it is, he was the one who discovered the molecule that was responsible for seaweed, the seaweed broth's savory umami flavor. Yeah. It was glutamate. And wow. so glutamate's present in seaweed too. So I did, I, I meant to lift him up. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to lift up the guy who lied about it. I'm not going to say, <laughs> or who yeah. theorized wrongly, but I did, I did mean to lift up this Japanese chemist and say that he was the one who identified it. And can you imagine, maybe that's part of why it's associated with Asian food. Right. Too. Can you imagine being like, I need to come up with a word for this <laughs> no. other, this entire category of taste. Yeah. Wow. Wild. So that's, that's so cool. That's a little bit. Do you want to take a, a stab at explaining it back to me. Yes, I would love to. So glutamate is an amino acid. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me start like this. Okay. Um, we taste things when we eat them. Most of us, that is. <laughs> and we, there's so many things going on that we can 
barely understand it. We've had a couple episodes go into like the realm of taste kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like spice and stuff like that, which is so fascinating. But it's like, it's crazy to think about that way down deep. It's all these little things. It's all little molecules and amino acids and polymers and uh, things that we're, that are brushing up against our tongues for like just seconds, you know, or whatever. So one of those is glutamate, mm-hmm. um, which is a uh, amino acid. It's also already in our bodies, not just in the things we're eating, but that is, um, you said it's two carboxylic acids? I believe so. It has, it. all amino acids have one carboxylic acid and one amine group. Got it. I'm pretty sure glutamate has two carboxylic acids, but let me just look up the structure real quick. Okay. I because know what, suddenly I got scared. I know what you, I mean. <laughs> that was silly. Um, yeah, sometimes I just get, I'm like, wait, am I crazy? No, <laughs> I'm not. It is, it does. It has two carboxylic acid groups on either side. Okay. So as it is on its own, glutamate is um, ready to give up a hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And once it does that, if the situation allows for it and there's, it finds a, a bitter, somebody who wants the hydrogen and is willing to give it up, once it does that, then it will be negative. Mm-hmm. So in, that, in the case, if that has happened and a, a sodium ion is hanging out and around um, nearby, which would be a positively charged sodium, mm-hmm. right? Then... That sodium's also lost its electron. Yeah, somewhere. also lost its electron, and so they are a really great potential match there. Mm-hmm. And so, if that happens, then we get monosodium glutamate. Mm-hmm. So we've we have a slightly different you know thing going on there now, and it exists in a bunch of other things already. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like that interaction of like it losing its hydrogen and then deciding to bond with a sodium ion just is normal, very Mm -hmm. perceivable that it would happen (coughs) and doesn't seem to be harmful to our bodies in any way more than other things that we eat. Correct. With, within a normal, (laughs) yeah, normal amounts, not going crazy. And, um, Somehow, is that like, I guess that wouldn't be the only thing that our tongues are searching for, for savoriness. I have no idea. But somehow it's part of, let's just say, you know, it's it's, it's at least part of one of the things that our tongues can, can detect. Yeah. That makes things taste savory. And one of the the guesses I have is that it's called monosodium glutamate because it has those two carboxylic acids. Perceivably, both of the hydrogens could be lost from each carboxylic acid, and it could be like bisodium or disodium oh. glutamate. But I that's that was not talked about in anything I read. But okay. I I would assume the reason they have to specify it's one sodium. Like we don't say monosodium chloride because each chlorine can only have one sodium. Right. But I think we have to say monosodium glutamate because theoretically there could be two instead oh. of just saying sodium glutamate. Right. That's my guess. Right. 
but all of these are colloquial names anyway. There's there's an actual, if anyone's interested in the IUPAC name, it's 2-aminopentane-dioic acid. Hmm. That's the science name for glutamate. So. Interesting. Yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I think that was a good explanation. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Just one little other. I was so shocked that it was amino acid. I don't know why I never put that together. And that it's something that we make naturally. Yeah. And we just add this monosodium and it sounds way scarier and confusing. Yeah. Somehow even just that acronym MSG sounds worse than like other little shorthand like colloquialisms we have for molecules that may yeah. be on everyday life. For instance, like obviously H2O sounds like completely harmless to us. And if the you way- want to hear Jam go on a rant about, <laughs> actually that wasn't a community episode, right? We, we recorded that for a bonus. So you'll get yeah. to hear Jam go on a rant about acronyms. Yep. That's right. <laughs> to your point, here's a good, here's a good example. The MSG, the, mis- the mystery of it hiding behind <laughs> those letters makes it sound scarier. Mm, that like- is a great example. I agree. I thought about, I thought about it as I was, you know, over the next few weeks after we recorded that. And I, I thought, I feel pretty firm in my position that I think there are times when it's useful in communities where it is very clearly understood what they are. But I think you're right about other places where it's unnecessary and doesn't tell us what they could or should. Yeah. And that makes sense that most of them form in those situations. And if you want backstory... Listen to the bonus episode this, this past, this month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess it would technically, it would be last month when that came out. Right. Right. We're trying to get ahead for our holiday break. Mm-hmm. So our schedule's all kind of whack. <laughs> all right. Well, that's everything for your science lesson today. It was a little bit of review of amino acids, of acids in general, and, you know, ions and bonding. There's all kinds of concepts that we've heard before, but definitely in a new context. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really fun and interesting. So I'm glad I got to share it. Now, do you want to share a fun thing? I would love to share a fun thing. So uh, just last night, I... um, I haven't seen Jam in two weeks, so I have no idea what this is going to be. Yeah, she has no idea. I'm ready. Um, Just last night, something very scary happened Uh with our coffee roaster. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. So Mason and I, Mason is Melissa's husband... Um, we roast coffee together. We have a little coffee roasting company. Good dot coffee. Good with an E dot coffee. And we have a roaster that we, it's like (laughs) not super high capacity in it, but it's very nice. Mm. Um, very fancy in the sense we can control from our computers. We can program certain things. We can get all kinds of readings and data the whole time. It's very nice. In other words, they wanted to buy this roaster and they made a business to justify it. Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good way of putting it. (laughs) Um, and some people like to say, you know, takes money to make money, but whatever, <laughs> however to say it. So we try to take good care of this thing. In fact, only two weeks ago, Mason and I, instead of roasting mm-hmm. one of our evenings, we just actually took apart the roaster or not all the way, but you know, the parts that needed to mm-hmm. and spent like the whole evening just cleaning it. Yeah. And, you know, and doing all of that and let everything dry out really good before we put that together. And stuff like that. So we've been taking good care of it. I put some beans in. I had like preheated the roaster like normal. Mm-hmm. And because we did that, I've been having to roast a little bit on my own. And also you guys were sick. So uh, I've been roasting on my own to keep up with our orders. And I 
got the roaster preheated as we always do, mm-hmm. dropped some beans in like we always do, mm-hmm. and then the beans don't move. Oh, and they're supposed to. There's they're like supposed a to move. Yeah, it's like a cylinder, like a, on a, it's horizontal. It's slightly at an angle, and it moves fast. Keeps the beans moving. Um, and so I drop them in, and they don't move. And it is preheated. So it means it's super hot in there. <gasps> so the beans start burning immediately. immediately. The ones yeah. that are touching the side of the drum, and then the other ones don't have anything happening at all. Exactly. So I'm trying to figure it out frantically and I don't dump them out in time. I thought maybe I could just change the setting or something like that and dump them out. And then some of these beans are just absolutely scorched and the whole batch of beans is ruined, ruined. Yeah. which is not the end of the world that, you know. Yeah, but happens. what happened to your, what happened to the roaster? I know. So I'm like, when did this has ever happened before? And I'm like, also just like, this seems like the kind of problem that is going to be really big and bad. Like, yeah. are we, are, are, is our little roaster, you know very very Kaput. ill is something wrong deeply yeah. with it that will be either like is it dead basically or is it going to be very expensive to fix Uh-oh. and i also could not work on it at that exact moment which was very sad oh because you had this pit in your stomach and you can't resolve the pit yes in your stomach. i needed to move on to do other things yeah finally that later that evening i read a bunch of articles and start opening the roaster up and taking things apart and i open a section uh one of the things i found tells me to open this section that I had never opened before mm-hmm. that houses the motor and all that kind of stuff that spins the drum. Um, and I'm tinkering around back there and it takes me a while to even figure out how to get in there in the first place. And then I finally like look at enough things and read a little post on some forum that seems to describe almost exactly the issue that I'm, that we're experiencing. And I find this part that has become loose and I tighten it back. It's really hard to explain these things without seeing stuff. Yeah. Even if you're watching the YouTube video, I'm not. I can't. <laughs> and tighten things back and um, put it all back together, fire it up, and. Uh, what a relief. Completely fixed. There's a similar thing that happened where my windshield wipers didn't work for like years. Oh, no. <laughs> they were like intermittent for years. Uh-huh. And finally, Mason looked at it. Um, we, after we got married, we split up our chores and he knows a lot about mechanical things. Yes. So he takes like weird car maintenance. That's his job. Yeah. And all I had to do was, was tighten one bolt uh-huh. and it was just that it wasn't tight enough. So it wasn't catching. So it wasn't yep. moving the mechanism for the windshield wipers. Sounds like you had the exact same it thing. The exact same thing because it would kind of spin a little bit, but as soon as there's any weight in the drum, it was having a hard time overcoming it because it was just slipping. Yeah. This gear was yep. slipping around this thing so yeah i thought the same thing because mason it seems like the kind of thing that i was like oh mason's gonna have to get in here and fix this yeah. like and he's good at that stuff he's very good at it and i was like i can try and i know how to i know how to follow directions yeah. on stuff but i'm not confident in it so i had this roller coaster of a day but, but it feels so good it feels very good and the thing i am feeling sort of sort of happy thing is i'm feeling grateful for our little roaster yeah and the thought of it maybe having been like dying yeah, <laughs> or dead. It was heartbreaking. was like, oh no, our little roaster that we just been taking really good care of. You yeah. know, we've been, we just cleaned it and all that stuff. But now that it's fixed, I'm like, oh. It's like, like, thank goodness. Yeah. It's almost like whenever, you know, like your dog goes missing for like an afternoon or something like that. And it comes back and you're like, I was worried sick, you know. <laughs> and you're like, but get over here. Yeah. So I felt like that about our roaster a little that bit. That is so, it feels so good that it's fixed. And I do feel like a renewed sense of gratitude, you know, like when things aren't like when I'm sick and then you can breathe for the first time, you're like, man, you just don't know how great it is. Yes. Exactly like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's so great. And if you want to support Jam and Mason and get a nice, cool, 
custom coffee for a friend or family for a holiday gift, go to good.coffee. Good with an E. Good, I call it. Yeah. G-O-O-D-E dot coffee. And order, you can order the little bags, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And then you do, they're like a lightweight sample sort of. Yeah, we have samples or full size bags as well. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was my roller coaster of a day. That sounds dramatic. Oh, yesterday and last night. So I'm still kind of Oof. reeling from it. What about you? What's been happening with you? Well, I've been sick, um, a bad, bad, cold down bad for like over a week. I didn't work for a week solid or I worked, but it was only things that didn't require me to think very hard, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I did a cybersecurity training and then I did like a, you know, I'm, I'm applying for jobs because postdoc jobs are just supposed to be for a short period of time. And so, um, you know, I on job applications, you upload your resume and then they ask you all the questions that you already answered on your resume Yep. that it's like, when did you go to school? You know, so I've done that a mm -hmm. bunch lately. And so I did that because it doesn't take a lot of brain power, you know, but when it came to doing my work, which requires like actually thinking I couldn't. Yeah. It's I, I was just so tired and so brain foggy that I just could not hang. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, one thing I could do though, is a little bit of activity and then rest. And so I use that little bit of activity and then rest to decorate my house for Christmas this weekend. Nice. And you might be thinking it's December 7th, classic time to decorate. No, it's not December 7th when this episode comes out. It is the first weekend of November when we did this. And so oh, yeah. I got my house decorated for all of November and December. And I'm just really happy about it because we were supposed to go on a camping trip and like take a sort of like digital break and, you know, hang out. And I was really sad to give that up. But if I was going to be stuck in the house for a week being sick, at least I got to be stuck in the house. It was Christmas. Yeah. So. That's good. That's it a, was really fun. That's a good like, yeah, way to take advantage of the situation and do something, you know, that would lift your spirits. Yeah. And yeah. it did lift my spirits right into Christmas spirit. Yeah. yeah. And we recently went through my mom's old Christmas stuff and divvied it out. And huh. so this is the first time, you know, I've had some of my grandma's Christmas stuff around. And then I also had my mom's Christmas stuff and then some of the stuff that Mason and I have gotten together. And so it was really sweet to have all of that in my home and like, yeah, we're like. It's fully Christmas in, in our house. Even the bathroom has a Christmas shower curtain. That's, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a cheerful and, and sentimental and sweet and something that I always did with my mom. And so it's fun to, you know, carry that on. My sister says it's too soon because she thinks you should wait till after Thanksgiving. And I told her Canadian Thanksgiving had already happened. Right, Sarah? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I... I obviously am an opinionated person about some stuff, but I kind of like making the people mad that <laughs> think you should wait, you know, but um, I like to go ahead and start the, start the music. That's my big thing. I'm not a huge decorationsy person. Like it's yeah. not, I'm not like, I don't have like a ton of fun doing that. I do like once it is decorated, Yeah. but the process isn't that fun for me, but I like, I like just going right on into it. Halloween's over. Boom. Christmas time. Boom. Funnily enough, we recorded our first Christmas episode on Halloween. So my first Christmas <laughs> sweater I wore yeah. on Halloween day. And I was like, I'm embracing it. It's yeah. time. Yeah. So we're in it. We're in the season. Yeah. You know what? Also, you only get so many Christmases. And if you only celebrate them in December, then 
Mm-hmm. That's one month of your life that's Christmassy. If you double, if you extend it just to after Halloween, you get twice as much Christmas in your lifetime yeah. mm-hmm. than if you only do one month of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Why don't you want that? Exactly. If you're a Christmas celebrator, you know, yeah. if that's your holiday. Yep. You heard it first. A, a scientist just told us you will live longer. Nope. If you, yeah, you heard it here. <laughs> I said Verbatim. you'll get twice as much Christmas. <laughs> I heard what I wanted to hear. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I can't help that. That's going to happen no matter what. Oh, my God. Anyway, so yay, yay Christmas and yay chemistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for letting me teach you about MSG. And for whoever asked this question, and this was really fun. I love learning new things, and I love sharing proper information to counteract misinformation. So this was great. Well, thanks for teaching us about Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I had no idea that all that, that's just so weird. It's like you think it's a building and then you realize it's actually an amino acid. So weird. So tough. <laughs> um, <and> thank you. <laughs> yeah, like most well, thanks for whoever asked this question and the many people who have suggested different topics. We love hearing y'all's questions, ideas, um, things y'all think would be, you know, either a good episode or just a question to follow up or a correction, whatever. Please reach out to us with those things on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chemforyourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it like our friend Sarah did, you can join our super cool chem community of patrons on Patreon, patreon.com slash chemforyourlife to join that cool community. You get to do some fun things, hear from us more, be part of some some fun activities with us, et cetera. It's a cool perk. Bonus episodes. Bonus episodes, et cetera. Yep. But you get to help us keep our show going, which is awesome. If you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing in a favorite podcast app, rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts, and also subscribing on YouTube. Uh, those things help us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Colini and J.M. Robinson. J.M. Robinson is our producer. And this episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. It means so much to us that you want to make chemistry accessible for even more people. Those supporters are Sarah M, Avishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Katrina H, Latila S, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Rachel R, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne P, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thank you again for everything you do to make chemistry for your life happen. And an extra special thanks to Brie, who often creates illustrations to go along with episodes of Chemistry for Your Life. You can see those over on our YouTube channel. And you can thank Brie by following her and supporting her at entropicartstation.com or at Brie McAllister, nope, at McAllister Brie on Twitter. And those are linked in the notes for our show. Yay, chemistry. Yay, chemistry. I thought you say if you'd like to learn more oh, yeah. about well, today's Because chemistry. you said those are linked in the show notes. I just was thinking you oh, said okay, it, but you didn't fine. really. That's fine. If you want to read the other references, <laughs> learn deeper about this uh, chemistry topic, you can look at the references in our show notes or in the description of the video. And now, yay chemistry. Now, yay chemistry. Always yay chemistry. <laughs>